Father God, we just come into your presence right now in Jesus' name. And we just lift up all these prayer requests to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we declare your faithfulness over every need that was mentioned and every need that was not mentioned, that you are utterly faithful. You have proven your faithfulness by bringing your son Jesus on our behalf. And there's nothing we can do to, to gain our own redemption, but you've paid for that with your own blood, Jesus. We thank you for that. We declare that is ours, and we receive it. We thank you for this morning, Lord. And so we just come in prayer, and we give you this morning. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. Let's pray real quick again for the Holy Spirit as we get ready for our time together. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and fill every single heart in this room. I ask you to fill my heart, and I ask you to anoint me, God, to, get, to communicate the way you want me to communicate this morning and to just say everything that you want said. We love you, we honor you, and we give you this time, and we glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning we're talking about God's faithfulness, and I feel like I don't even need this. I, 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 as I look over my life, I've, God has been so faithful. Now, it's not perfect, but it's been faithful. And so we're going to talk about God's faithfulness this morning, what it is and what it isn't. We're going to talk about some things that come against us that chip away at our, at our belief in God's faithfulness for us. And then we're going to talk about things that we can do to keep that God's faithfulness always at the forefront in front of us so we don't get into doubt and unbelief. So that's kind of where we're going this morning. So God's faithfulness, as Dave said, he's going to start talking about the character of God. God's faithfulness is part of his character. It's his holy moral character. God really can't be anything except faithful. That's who he is. And so he's also holy. And so all the things that God has written in his word, in the Old Testament especially, all those things that God told us, his commandments, his word, his precepts, and everything that he talks to us about in his word, his holy moral character, he's faithful to that first and foremost, which is awesome because that means that we have a God that never changes. He's always the same. If you could count on him yesterday, you can count on him tomorrow, and it's not changed in 2,000 years. So how do we define faithfulness? Well, when I looked up what it means for God to be faithful, this is some of the stuff I found. He's reliable. There's fidelity, like in a marriage. He is not leaving you or forsaking you ever. He's true to you always. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. He's true to his word, and he's dependable. And he is love. He is faithful in his love for every single one of us. And he never changes. He's always the same. So like I said, he's always faithful to his holy moral character. So the first Bible verse I want to look at today is Deuteronomy. should be on your screen. I hope. Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 7. Do we have that? There we go. Let's read this. For you are a holy people. You are set apart to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be a people for his own possession and that is his very special treasure. The Lord did not love you and choose you because you were greater in number than any of the other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath which he swore to your fathers, 
The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you and brought you out of the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Therefore, know without a doubt, I love this part, and understand that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who is keeping his covenant and his steadfast loving kindness to a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, I know that amplified version is wordy, but it's just so good. So God will not violate or be unfaithful to himself or his holy character or to his commandments. He is faithful with his covenant with Israel. And if you remember all the stories in the Old Testament, they were a stiff-necked, unfaithful group of people. And yet God, over and over and over in his mercy and grace, kept saving them and redeeming them and coming and drawing them back to himself. That's the kind of God who is faithful. So let's talk about this more. Um, Let's go to the next verse. So as I looked up all these verses on faithfulness, there are like hundreds of them. We can't go through hundreds of them today, but we're going to go through a few. So the next thing I thought about was God is faithful to his word. So let's read Ephesians 1, 3 through 7. That should be up. There we go. So this is kind of long too, but this is awesome in Ephesians. Blessed and worthy of praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Just as in his love he chose us in Christ, actually selected us for himself as his own before the foundation of the world, so that we would be holy, consecrated, set apart, purpose-driven, and blameless in his sight. Before I finish reading this, did you hear that? You are chosen before the foundation of the world. Chosen, chosen, chosen before the foundation of the world. Whoops. (laughs) Can we get that back? Okay. In him, we also have received an inheritance. So you have an inheritance. You're chosen. Now you have an inheritance to destiny. We are claimed by God as his own having been predestined, chosen, appointed beforehand according to all the purpose of him who works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of his will. Okay, that was a little bit different verse, but we'll go on with that. Um, Also, God is faithful for salvation. What does John 3.16 says? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his own Son, that no one would perish, but everybody would have eternal life. So what do you think it took God to look away from his son as he's perishing on the cross? Can you imagine? He felt forsaken, Jesus did, but he wasn't forsaken. Every sin and every shame that was on us was transferred to Jesus, and that is how faithful God is for us. He is utterly faithful. God is faithful to his forgiveness. Let's look at 1 John 1, 9. If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he's faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all all unrighteousness, our wrongdoing, everything not in conformity with his will and purpose. Praise God. So, Faith, if we look at all these things, faith is actually trusting in the character of God before we know how he's going to work it all out. That's faith. 
So God is faithful in his love for us. Now let's look at one more. Romans 8. Who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Just as it is written and forever remains written, for your sake we are put to death all day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height, depth, or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's a lot of verses. So here's where I think we get tripped up. How is God's faithfulness determined? How do we determine God's faithfulness? Do we determine God's faithfulness by our lives or by all the verses that we just read, by the word of God? And I think this is where we get tripped up, like I said. God is faithful to his promises and is to his word. And we see that. But when we decide to tie God's faithfulness to answers to our prayers or to the events and circumstances in our world or our life, we can start to think, uh-oh, God might not be faithful. But that's not what defines God's faithfulness. This is what defines God's faithfulness, what he says in his word. So we have to be very careful, and we can say, oh, God is faithful. We have to be careful why we say that. And I think in our Christian circles, I've said this before, somebody has a wonderful blessing in their life, they get married. Isn't God faithful? Well, what about Sister Susie over here, who's 45 years old and is not married? Does that mean God's not faithful to her? We have to be careful. Now, I would say that's a blessing then. God's faithfulness is, is in his holy moral character and his word. The other things are blessings, which is why we don't have cookie-cutter lives, right? If God were faithful to do everything for every single person the exact same way, we'd all look the same. But in reality, we don't look the same, do we? We all look different. We all have our own struggles, our own issues, our own blessings, our own things to be thankful for. And we aren't exactly the same. So we have to be careful not to tie events and circumstances in determining God's faithfulness, because that's not what he's faithful for. The fact of the matter is he met our every single need. He died for us on the cross. You are going to arrive in heaven exactly on the date you're supposed to, exactly when everything is supposed to happen, and you will arrive, and you will say, oh my God, I am so thankful you were faithful. Everything in between does not determine God's faithfulness. We are, we are destined. We just read those verses. We have a place to go. We're going, and God is going to make sure we get there no matter what. Amen? That is what God's faithfulness is all about. Not day to day, did he answer my prayer today, although he is faithful to do that. That's not the defining way we get God's faithfulness. Is this making sense? Okay, okay. All right, so let's talk about some stuff that um, chips away at God's faithfulness. And I want to be sure we cover all this because this is really good. The first thing you need to know 
is that we have an enemy. We, we have an enemy. We have an enemy who um, tries to chip away at our faith. That's his, he wants to bring doubt and unbelief, and he wants to destroy that in you. So you have to know that that's what's going to happen. That's what the enemy is, is trying to do for us. Um, we're going to talk about three ways. These are not exhaustive, but these are three ways. The first thing he does is he tries to come against you. Let's see. Oh, I love this. God tries to get you to believe that his faithful promises are not worth waiting for. That's one way. Okay, so who did that in the Bible? Abraham and Sarah. God promised them a baby, and then they tried to take it in their own hands and try to have that baby themselves. And then Ishmael was born. So that's one way the enemy will come against you. He will try to convince you that God's promises are not worth waiting for. And the second way he does this is he tries to come into you with discouragement and make you discouraged because of your events in your life or conflicts or problems that you have. And your discouragement gets your eyes off God and gets you on your problems and yourself, and then we are dissatisfied in God. And the third thing that he does that he comes in and makes you dissatisfied with some part of your life. It could be your marriage. It could be your kids. It could be your church. It could be the world, whatever. You fill in the blank. He brings dissatisfaction in your life, and you feel like, I need to have that need met. And you go after that and try to meet that need yourself. So those are three ways that the enemy comes at us. And then, let me show you what happens next on that. So he'll use these these ways, um, these tactics, I call them schemes, to get you into agreement with him. And the power of agreement is very effective and it's very powerful. And here's what he does. The enemy will come in and say um, a lie to you when you feel this discouragement. He'll say um, something like this. He'll say, um, boy, and this is where he got me about several years ago. I, I agreed with the enemy on a lie. And so I feel like I'm an expert on the power of agreement now because I, I literally, he said, you know, God really doesn't love you, does he? Because you would not be suffering this much if he really loved you. And boy, that felt true. That felt so true to me. And so I said, gosh, maybe you're right. Boom. And so what do you think happens next? Lots of other agreements come in too. So all you have to do is come into one agreement and then others follow. Um, let's talk about some agreements you might, that you might have had in your life. I'm going to read some of these. God can't use me or he won't use me. He couldn't possibly love me. My past is too bad. I'm not valuable to God. This situation will be the death of me. I will never forgive or forget that thing or that person. I will never be happy or have what I want. Things will never change or work out for me. I'm forsaken and rejected and I'm alone. So idea in your mind that feels true, but it's not because it's not based on the word of God. So what he does, and if he told you, gave you a 100% lie, you would know it was a lie. But it's part truth and part lie because your feelings are true. Your feelings are valid, right? Amen? You're, I'm not saying they're not real and that you don't feel bad. You do. So he takes that true part and he marries it with a lie. 
and now you've got an agreement. And it feels true, but it's not. And so we want to make sure that everything that we decide to come into agreement with is right here in this word. Because the enemy will do that to your mind. So what do we do about that? It's very simple. And we've all done this. Is there anybody in here who has not made an agreement with the enemy ever? Raise your hand. I want to know who you are. <laughs> so what we do is we just do 1 John 1, 9, which we just looked at, which is confess and repent of our sins. And he's faithful, faithful, faithful always to forgive us and cleanse us every time. So we just simply say, Father, in Jesus' name, I have agreed with the enemy, and I am so sorry. Forgive me and cleanse me by Jesus' name. And I choose, this is the important part, I choose to repent of that in Jesus' name. And you renounce it, and you say to the enemy, I reject that lie, and I no longer believe that. It's that simple. Amen? And so what we do, and, and you're gonna, this is like for life. You, these are things we need to know for daily living in the Christian world. You're going to... The enemy is going to come against you. You're probably going to make an agreement. This is real simple. You just repent of it and confess it. But here's the second part that is absolutely crucial. Now you have to take something from the Word of God and make an exchange and replace that lie with the truth. And it should be a truth in the Word. So that remember Jesus did this when, when Satan came after him. He answered the, the enemy with a word. Use the word of God every single time, and that's what we need you to do too. So make the exchange and replace the lie with the truth from God's word. So let me give you an example. Um, here's a couple of my here's a couple of my go-tos. Like uh, Isaiah 54:17 uh, says, "No weapon formed against me will prosper, and every tongue that rises up against me, I shall prove to be in the wrong." This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and God is my vindication. That is one of the words that I use. Also, Romans 8.28, which is one of my favorites, which is, For we know that God will work everything out for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, that doesn't mean everything is good that happens to you, but he promises in the end to work it out for good. He will. And when you go to heaven and you see the face of Jesus Christ, you're not going to bring your list of questions for him. You're going to throw that thing down and run because those things are not going to be important anymore. He promises to get you home in your final destination no matter what. You will arrive there and you will be happy about it. You will. I promise you. Amen? <laughs> okay, let's see what... Oh, Philippians... Philippians um, 419, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. These are things we can declare out loud. Now, there's a couple I want to read on the screen. Um, this is one of my favorites, Hebrews 13. Do we have that? No, we don't have that one. All right, I'll read it. This is so good. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. You got it? Okay. All right. Good. Let your character be free from the love of money 
Be content with what you have, for he has said, and this is the part that I want to hone in on, this section. I will never, this is something you guys need to get, you need to memorize this verse, like today. I will never, under any circumstances, desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. So we take comfort and encourage and say confidently, the Lord is my helper in time of need, and I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? This is his promise for us. He will never forsake you. Yes, you might feel forsaken. You might feel alone. You might feel abandoned, but you're not. Because your feelings do not define God's faithfulness. His word does. And so we really got to make the shift when we're starting to feel some of these things and remind ourselves and get your arsenal of, and that's one of the things I'll talk about in a minute, get your word arsenal ready for the times when you're going to need it so you can replace the lie with the truth from the word. That's what we've got to do. That's so important. Um, Let's read, let's read one more. Do you have Hebrews 10 up there? Yeah. So remember the early days when after being spiritually enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings. Sometimes maybe made a spectacle, publicly exposed to insults and distress, and sometimes by becoming companions with those who were so treated. Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it has a great and glorious great reward. For you have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising, so that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the full what has been promised. I love that. Do not fling away your fearless confidence. Do not, do not. So what are some other things? We talked about um, him bringing discouragement and dissatisfaction and lying to us. What are some other things that we do that can, that can chip away at our faithfulness, at God's faithfulness in our hearts? Complaining, constantly rehearsing evil and bad deeds that are happening. Some of us got to get off the media train, okay? If you are bothered by the media and all the things it's reporting, or we're full, and before it start, we start to feel scared, afraid, and thinking that God is not going to be faithful to work this out. Let's just look at what's happening in our country. And if you watch the news for hours a day, you're going to need to have to read this five hours a day to counteract it. So we have got to figure out a way to get off of media if that's what's bothering. And you know how much you can take and what you can't. So we've got to not do things that we know bring us down and bring us into fear and worry and so forth. Um, something else that, that, that does this too, um, that I think it's difficult because this brings us into skepticism and pessimism. So if you find yourself negatively talking, you've got to stay, stop. What's going on? This isn't who I am. This is, I'm a child of God. I don't, need to be in, I don't need to be a pessimism or, in, or a skeptic about anything because God has the last word, not the guy on TV. Okay, 
So what do we do about all that? So those are the negative things. We've got to end on a positive note here, all right? We always got to end on a positive note. So what do we do? Here's what we do. We remember and we rehearse all of God's deeds. And if you're old enough, you've got some faithfulness stuff that God has done in your life. You remember that. You rehearse that. You say it over and over. This is where God was faithful. This is how God has led me over and over and over. And we read the stories in the Bible about where God's been faithful. And we remember those as well. And you get your arsenal of verses, just like I shared a few of mine. You get those. Get those beforehand and get prepared to declare and decree those over your family. And really, it's not even enough to just read them. You've got to speak them out loud. You need to walk around in your home and declare, no weapon formed against me will prosper, out loud. And that means you, enemy. I declare in the faithful name of Jesus Christ. And you do that in your own home. And you pray over your home every day. Those are the things that we have to do if we're going to counteract what the world is throwing at us and what the enemy is throwing at us. We've got to use the word of God as the sword of the spirit, which is in Ephesians 6. That's what it is. It's a double-edged sword. One side cuts down the enemy, and the other side encourages you. And we all need that. Amen? We do need that. So we got to bathe ourselves in the Word of God constantly. Um, that, is, that is the most important thing, is to get your verses going. Um, also, if you want to think about like some of the Old Testament stories, like Daniel in the lion's den, and uh, I love Moses in the Red Sea. You remember the Moses in the Red Sea moment. All looked lost. All looked impossible. The Israelites are camped at the bank of the Red Sea, and the Pharaoh and his chariots of armies are right behind them. And, they, and there's just two million people about to be slaughtered, literally about to be slaughtered. And God says to Moses, stretch out your rod over the Red Sea and cause it to divide and, and walk over on dry land. And they did. Two million people walked over on dry land because of God's faithfulness. And Moses was faithful to God to do what he said. These verses are these stories, you know, we think about them. Oh, that's a cute Sunday school story. No, this is a story about the power of God. And if he was powerful for Moses and two million Israelites, he will be for you as well. So we have to remember the faithfulness of God in the lion's den. And, and, and um, Daniel and his three friends, when they were thrown into the, into the fiery furnace, I love that. I was talking to Dave about that this week. They said, God can deliver us, but if he does not, we're still not bowing to your statue. We're still not going to do it. And you know why? Because they knew he was faithful. He could deliver them then or he could deliver them later in heaven. But either way, they were going to where they were supposed to be. Okay? We've got to remember the stories. And so this is why we teach our, our stories to our kids these aren't just cute stories. They declare the power of God. Um, a few months ago, my daughter was going through some, some difficult things, and she was reading um, some Bible stories to one of my grandkids. And I turned around, she was reading Daniel the Lion's Head. I turned around to her and I said to her, are you hearing what you're reading? Are you listening to what the words you're reading to this four-year-old? Because God can be faithful for you too. She's like, I know, Mom, I know. But you know what? That's why we've got to read the stories. They're so powerful and so meaningful. And God is utterly, utterly faithful to us. Um, let's read one more verse. 
Lamentations 3. I think that should be up on your screen as well. My soul has been cast away from peace, and I have forgotten happiness. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. It is because of the Lord's loving kindness that we are not consumed, because his tender compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great and beyond measure is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion and my inheritance, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him and wait expectantly for him. God is my portion. Everything else will eventually pass away. Everything that's, that's bothering you and even the good stuff in your life will be temporary. It's all temporary. It will all pass away. But your portion is God, and he never passes away, and he's always faithful. Always, always, always. I look at my friend over here. You know what? Some prayers didn't get answered, but there's a hundred hundred different ways God has been faithful to her and faithful to her family in little things. And I just watch the faithfulness of God all the time. So if we don't get exactly what we want, we don't, God hasn't promised us a perfect life. He hasn't promised us a perfect marriage. Um, For those of you who are parents, you don't have perfect kids and God never promised you that you would. And he didn't promise you that you'll get everything you want in life, but he took care of the big stuff he took care of your soul and your heart and your mind, and he gives, he's given us the Holy Spirit to live in us. Amen? We are not alone. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, teaching us, guiding us all the time, all the time. So he's taking care of the big stuff, and everything else, we go like this, and we say, Jesus, help me. Show me your faithfulness all day long. Amen? Okay. So let's pray. God, we just thank you for your faithfulness. Sometimes when I stop and think of your faithfulness, I could, get, I could just weep because your faithfulness is always true, and I'm so grateful for that. Thank you for the blood of Jesus and the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ who can encourage us, walk with us, and be with us. And thank you, God, for the power of prayer that you've called us to pray every, for every need that we come up against. And you are faithful because your word says you always hear us. There's never a time when you don't hear our prayer. And so we just give you everything today. And we thank you for your faithfulness. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.